Shall we please turn our Bible to 2 Corinthians 9? We are reading from 6 to 11. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 11. The careful giver. The point is this. Whoever sows springrily will also reap springrily. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Amen. Amen. Um, this, this morning, I just want us to reflect a little. Shall we please bow our heads down? We want to bow our heads down a bit. We want to reflect on the goodness of God, how he's given his son for you and I. And want to look at all the mighty things that he's done in our midst. And within a few minutes, you want to thank the Lord Almighty for his love, his banner, which is love over your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. I just want us to sing this song and then we'll be started. It just, this, the, the song is just, Father, we wait on you. And what we are saying is that in the midst of all the uncertainties in the world, in the midst of all the things that we cannot anticipate or even understand, we are talking about budgets and all of that, but that we wait on God. The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like the eagle. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can the choir please help me sing? Amen. You can please open your eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. It's a simple song. It just says, Father, we adore you. We wait, we on, you. wait on you. Father, we adore you. Father, we wait on you. 
Father, we adore you. Father, we wait on you. For you said in your word, they don't wait on the Lord. You shall renew the strength. Father, we wait on you. 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 You can help me sing. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. For revival, God. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. Set us on fire. We wait on you. We wait, we wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. Oh, we wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you, Jesus. We wait on you. We wait on you. Arukuramasote barabado. We wait on you, we wait on you. We wait, we wait on you. We wait on you for revival to do more, God. We wait on you. We will never stop on anything. We wait on you. We wait on you, Lord God. Set our hearts in order for you, Jesus. Set our heart in passion for you, Jesus. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you, God. Oh, we wait. We wait on you. We wait. Hallelujah. Father, we are told. Father, we wait on you. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody just give the Lord a round of applause. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Our blessed Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, as we've come seated at your feet, ready to hear your word, we pray that your word will come with understanding. Your word will come with revelation. Your word will give us insight. Lord, we don't know how best to give, but we know that as we wait on you, you will teach us in the mighty name of Jesus. This morning, may you cause your word to inspire us. May we be blessed beyond measure. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, the topic I was given is reasons to give abundantly. And uh, I, I want to thank the senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, and the leadership. Shall we acknowledge the leadership even for... The wonderful privilege. Amen. It's such a wonderful privilege to be standing on this pulpit to minister the word unto you. And the scripture is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. I'll be coming back to the text. But just a little background to the text. You realize that 
in, the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is talking about the Macedonian churches. And he's talking about the fact that there was a, a collective agreement that some collections were meant to be taken for the Macedonian churches. Sorry, for the churches in Jerusalem because they were in a period of affliction. And the Corinthians had, they had, they had agreed that they were going to give as part of these collections. And so if you see 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 2, it says, Now about the collection for the lost people, do what I told the Galatians churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be made. So the real intention was that when Paul comes, you just say, oh, it is time now for us to take the money that we are going to give to the church, the church in Jerusalem. It, it, that is not a time to make an appeal or for fundraising. Hallelujah. So that is what was the agreement. But he realized that after some time, these people were reneging on their promises. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes in our own lives, it's like that. If you look at the beginning of the year, sometimes we make many resolutions. We say that this year, I will not default on my tithe. This year, I'll be committed in all that I'm doing. This year, I'll give more time to God. But you realize that sometimes along the way, your energy begins to go down. When the pressures of life are coming in, when the school fees is staring at you in the face, when the business is going down and your capital is dwindling, that is the time that you begin to waver on the promises that you have made to God. Hallelujah. So Paul raises issues with the Corinthians for their default, pointing the example of the poverty-stricken Macedonian churches who had given beyond their means and out of their own will. And he was encouraging the Corinthians. And so Paul was trying to tell them that Corinthians, I have taught you many things. I have taught you about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I have taught you about love. I have written to you when there was division in the church, when there was incest, I've written to you. I've taught you about many things. And so this is not the time for you to waver on your love. This is the time for you to demonstrate your love by giving. Hallelujah. Because ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you can say you love somebody. But any love that does not go with giving is not a true love. True love goes with sacrifice. True love goes with giving. And the Bible talks in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. So I want to touch briefly on biblical giving or biblical basis for giving to church or ministry work. The first point is tithe and offering. In my short time on earth, I've met people who say that I don't believe in tithing. In fact, there was one of my colleagues who, if I look at the number of things that were happening in his life, if I look at the tragedies, one time we were in the office and he just got a call that your apartment has been wiped out. Some people just came with a Mercedes Benz, parked in front of the apartment, went in and then packed everything out. By the time he got home, the only thing they left for him was his school bag. Hallelujah. So I felt prompted to speak to this friend of mine. I told him that, ah, do you pay tithe? He said, oh, for me, my, we, we don't believe in tithe. My church, we don't pay tithe. We only give offering. I said, won't you test God on this? Hallelujah. So if you look at the scriptures, you, you realize that tithe existed before the law. In Genesis chapter 14, Verse 19 to 20. We hear about Melchizedek. And the Bible says that at that time, Abraham returned after defeating the kings. 
there was a battle in the, in, in, in the valley, the valley of the pit. And it was four kings that fought against five kings. Kedolama and then some allied forces who were with him. And the Bible says that they kidnapped Lot. And when Abraham heard about it, he went to fight with his servant. And they were able to win this battle. So when he came back, the Bible talks about the fact that Melchizedek met him. And he had bread and wine. And Abraham gave him a tenth, a tithe or a tenth of whatever he had. And the Bible says that he blessed Abraham. Hallelujah. So that's one of the first instances we hear about tithe. The next instance we hear about Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 28 verse 20 to 22. Over here also you see a, a, a fugitive. Somebody who is running away from home. And that night when he was lying down to sleep, he had an encounter. He saw angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. He said that, ah, the presence of God was here and I didn't even know. I, was put, I put my head on a stone so that I can catch some rest. He said that God is here and he named that place Bethel. And he said, oh God, if you go with me in the land or this journey that I'm going on, when I come back, if you bless me that I can even come back to my father's house, I'll give you a tenth of all that I have. Hallelujah. So that is the, the second instance. And then we hear about tithe, which became a, a part of the law in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. So this was the time that it was actually captured in the law. And then in Numbers chapter 18, verse 8, you also hear about God telling the Israelites and to the Levites that now the tithe belongs to you. Hallelujah. He's telling them that now... You are my, I am your inheritance. Don't worry about the lands and the, and the inheritance. I am your inheritance. Hallelujah. So God was telling them that now your portion is the tithe. And out of, out of that, when you also receive it, you can also give tithe to me. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5 to 6, we also learn about the fact that it was also talking about the law. And it talks about offerings as well. Hallelujah. And so tithe is already existed before the law. And so if people tell you that the tithe is part of the Old Testament, they don't know what they are talking about. In the New Testament, Jesus also spoke about the tithe. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he said that, Oh, teachers of the law, oh, Pharisees, why are you hypocrites? He said, you are concentrating on paying the tithe and all of that. But I am admonishing you that do not only be interested in tithe and offering, but be interested in justice. Hallelujah. Be interested in, in, in things that concern the society. He was trying to tell them that you can do these things, but do not default on the other things that are equally important. Hallelujah. And so, ladies and gentlemen, there's a new trend that is evolving in the church environment. We have seen many people, because of COVID, they said that we, we, our eyes have been opened. Now we will not pay tight again. I've heard people, believers tell me that now COVID has taught us that you can live without paying tight. You can actually live without going to church. The only thing is do, you do is that when you wake up in the morning, you log on to one, one um, online channel, you have your prayer meeting, that is all, and then you stay at home. I've heard people, believers who are baptized, tongue speaking believers, say that I will not pay tight again. COVID has opened my eyes. Another trend that is happening is that some people, if you look at the post-paid system, post-paid is that you consume something and then you pay the bill. Hallelujah. Some people are annualizing their tithe. This is a new term that, as I was meditating, just came to mind. Annualized post-paid tithe system. Hallelujah. So what some people are doing is that they'll, uh, they'll go through the year. From the beginning of the year, January to the end of the year, 
That is when, and, and when probably a bonus or something comes in. That is when they bring it to clear the backlog. Hallelujah. But ladies and gentlemen, one thing I know is that when you do that, you are not putting your hope in God. I, I believe that the tide is, it, it, there must come a time where you wake up in the morning, you don't even know what money that you are going to have. Or maybe you don't even have a job. But you are believing God that at the end of this mind, even if it's 5 CD or 10 CD, Lord, I will give it to you because that is what I've earned as tithe. Oh, somebody slap your hand and give God praise. Hallelujah. Oh, please raise it a bit. And so many young people are not paying tithe. When we look at the record, sometimes it is heartbreaking. Young people who are baptized, believers who are, are, are not interested in paying tithe. They are tongue-speaking believers. But when it comes to tithe, they feel like it is... A, 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 some people give God some tit, like a, a, a tip. That is what they give to God. But if you look at the, 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 the administration of the church, if you look at the role of the tithe and offering, what it's supposed to do in the church, you see welfare issues. Because sometimes people are in hospitals. Sometimes you get a call, somebody has been admitted. The family doesn't have any money to pay for the person. And sometimes the church, we need to run to that person's aid. Sometimes it is a scholarship. Hallelujah. Personally, I've run to people to go and get money to pay school fees for others, for children or for the youth or for young people. And sometimes you, you, you look at the fact that these people are helpless. There is no help coming from anywhere else. Hallelujah. And the sad aspect is that after you have paid some of these fees, the people graduate, they get good paying jobs and they run away from the church. Not because of anything, but because they don't want to commit or they don't want anyone to come call them and say that, come and give also to support other people. So there are people who have gone through scholarship systems, who have benefited from the church in various ways. But afterwards, you don't hear anything about them again. Hallelujah. And some are in very, very good paying jobs. I know people who we have prayed with and are working with organizations like the FAO, the UN, and other big time organizations. But when you call them today, they will not pick your call. Ladies and gentlemen, I shared that on Wednesday. There are, there, there are people who have gone through this church and have signed international contracts, football contracts, and are earning big money. When you look at their profile or their status on Facebook, you see that they are living large. In fact, there was one that I checked. The TV in the person's living room is like the LED screen. Hallelujah. And when you send them a message that remember what God has done for you, you must also give to support the church. They will not mind you. Hallelujah. If you look at the utility bills we pay weekly, thousands of CDs. Thousands of CDs. Repairs and maintenance. About two or three weeks ago, we came to church. The digital mixer was off. There was nothing we could do about it. We needed to go and get one and bring it immediately. And all of these things require money. It requires money to finance the operations of the church. Sometimes it is missions. And we need to take money to fund these missions. Because when you are going, you cannot say that, you cannot go and stand at VIP and say that, that the Lord has spoken to me, that I should come and sit in this bus and, and organize a mission trip to Tamale and they'll give you a free bus. It does not work like that. Sometimes God will cause some miracles to happen. But more often than not, even Jesus, he said, I go and open the mouth of the fish and, and pick the gold coin from there and go and pay the tax. Hallelujah. So ladies and gentlemen, there's an obligation on you and I. There's an obligation on you and I. Last night, I was just going through the, the tithe records. And I realized that 
this year, January till now, the percentage of people who have defaulted more than three times, that's between three and nine months, is about 60%. 60% have defaulted more than three months. And you see, although I was discouraged, it was an encouragement to me in another way. Because I've come to realize that God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So sometimes maybe you are holding back, but God is using his own means to finance the operations of the church. Last year, it was a, a big miracle. If you look at how some churches survived, even Calvary Baptist, if you look at how we're paying salaries, it tells you that there's an unseen hand. That is, is moving the church forward. Hallelujah. And all he's waiting for is two or three people who say that I'll be part of the move of God. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. So the second point is that In the Bible, there is a biblical basis for financing missions and pastors. So Paul teaches the church in Galatians chapter 6 verse 6. And he quotes Luke chapter 10 verse 9. He said, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And in Matthew chapter 10 verse 10, he says that the worker deserves his wages. Hallelujah. The worker deserves his wages. What he's trying to tell you and I is that anytime you are holding back your tithe, anytime God has opened some doors for you and blessed you, and you are holding back, you are denying his operations. You are denying his ministers from being fed. You are denying a lot of things from happening. You are denying the welfare system from running. There are, there are people whose businesses have been shut down. And the central welfare says that from the COVID fund, the money that was mobilized, we, we are looking at how we can support people. Oh, is that not a, a, a marvelous thing to do? That they can be thinking about you and I. And sometimes you and I, we are even not faithful. We are not giving our tithe. When our business goes down, then we run to the church. Hallelujah. And so Paul thanks the church of Philippi for supporting him. And he asks the church of, uh, the, the Roman church also, for financial support. He says that support Phoebe for the work that she's doing. If you look at Romans chapter 15, verse 24, he was talking about the fact that I am going on a mission trip to Spain, if you can assist me. And so there is a biblical basis for the church to ask for money for its operations. This is not a time for you to say that I don't believe in Titan. There's more evidence than is available. There's more than enough evidence. And if you look at the third point, Jesus' ministry was funded by people. They were financiers. The Bible talks about the, the likes of Joanna, the wife of Susa. It talks about Susanna. And it says that these were the people who were financing his trips. Some people can say that, ah, but Jesus, he grew up in the carpenter's house. Maybe like Agawu Furniture. Or maybe like Oka Deco or any other places. Any other um, furniture shop. So why couldn't he put his skill to use? Paul was a tent maker, but you realize that at the point... He was doing that because the churches had not matured. The churches had not grown. So he needed to do something to support himself. But later on, you realize that from his teaching, he was saying that the biblical basis that the church must support the operations of the missionary or the pastors. Hallelujah. So Jesus depended on these people. When he wanted to cross over to the other side, because he had the power, maybe, that is when, that's why he walked on the water. But if you look at the disciples, they didn't walk on the water. Originally, they went to get a boat and you need to pay something. Hallelujah. You need to pay something for the boat. And so Jesus said something. He taught his disciples to rely on others while ministering. 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 15. And when he sent the 72, he said that when as you are going, do not worry about your cloak or your belt. He said that do not take silver coin or gold coin and put it in your belt. Wherever you go, whatever they give you, live on that. Hallelujah. He's trying to tell them that I have made a system that is supposed to run. That system is such that the members of the church or the members of the, of the group will finance your operations. Don't let your mind be on the money. Ah, look, at the act, the, 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 uh, look at the Bible in Acts. He said that they brought the money at the apostles' feet. The apostles were not interested in going for the money. They were in the temples and as they were ministering, the money was brought to their feet. Hallelujah. What is telling you and I is that if we can play our part, the church will run smoothly. There wouldn't be any hitches. Hallelujah. We wouldn't come and there will be challenges because God has put in a system. Oh, clap your hands and give God praise this morning. So why must you give abundantly? Why must we give abundantly? Giving begins with your own life. I've come to realize something. That if you cannot give your life to God, your resources cannot, you cannot part away with them easily. You must come to the point where you have let go of your own life. And so there was a young man by name Francis Thompson. His father was a medical doctor. And Francis Thompson, he, he, he had passion for literature. He didn't want to go into the medical sciences. But his family were insisting that you follow in the line of your father. And about the, it's not, sorry. And it got to a time that Francis was so, he was so depressed that he, he began to use drugs. But this was a young man who was so skilled. And he said that one time, in the tunnels of, in, in the tunnels of London, he wrote, a, he, he was, he was, he wrote a poem. And when he wrote it, the, the, the sheet was so dirty that he, at the, at the bottom of the poem, he apologized to the editor. He said, about this poem that I've written, and the, the condition of the paper, it tells you where the paper has passed through. And he wrote the hound of heaven. He said, I fled him down the days and down the nights. He said, I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my mind. And he was talking about how God is pursuing him. Because he grew up in the house of God. He grew up as a Catholic. But at some point in time, when he, he missed out on his way, he realized that God was still looking out for him. And so he wrote that powerful poem, The Hand of Heaven. There's also another man by name here in farm. And I shared this one in Adabraka last week. This man was a translator for the U.S. forces during the Vietnam, Vietnam War in the 70s. And it is said that he was also a translator for Ravi Zacharias. It is said that after the end of the war, this man was arrested and put in prison. And they exposed him to the doctrines of Karl Marx. They exposed him to the doctrines of Engel. And they wanted him to disavow his faith. This guy was so frustrated at the point that one day in the prison he knelt down. He said, God, I am tired. I am ready to let go of my life. I am ready to let go of my faith. He said, from tomorrow I will not pray again. The next morning when he woke up, the prison warden called him. He said that now you have been assigned to the pit, the latrine, to be cleaning there. And when he went there, he saw a piece of paper on the floor. He picked it up, cleaned it, and put it in his pocket. That night when he was going to sleep, the Holy Spirit just spoke to him. That look at the piece of paper. When he opened the paper, it was Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work for good to them that love God. To them that are called according to, their, according to his purpose. And, and that night he began to cry. He said, oh God. This, today is supposed to be the first day that I will not pray. But even in the midst of my pain, you have pursued me. Hallelujah. So when you give your life to God, 
You can give everything else freely. Everything else is not a struggle. You can give it, you can part ways with it. And it will not be a struggle for you. Hallelujah. The second point is that everything you have is from God. When you honor him, he will honor you back. There are many of us, we hold on to our, our, our resources. But I've come to realize that when you let go of resources, when you part with, with things, you are saying that, God, I am decreasing so that you might increase. I am, going, I'm, I am letting go of my inadequacies so that your glory shall take over. And so you look at the story of the widow. And, and that day, Elijah said that, go and put, bake, bake, bake some cake for me. This woman was thinking that this is my last meal. Let me eat it and my son so that we will die. But look at the testimony. Look at the miracle. That because she agreed that I will let go of it. Look at the testimony that broke out. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. The third point, when you give your all, to, when you, give your all you die to self and put your faith in God. I'll come back to Genesis chapter 14. So the Bible talks about the fact that Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek. And that night when he slept, the Bible says that in verse 15, it says that, and after these things, the, the, the Lord came to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. And so that giving, that act of, of giving tithe provoked the, the presence of God. The, the, the presence of God visited him. And Abraham said, oh God, is this how my end will be? That I wouldn't have anybody to inherit me. And God says that go outside. Look at the stars. He said if you can count them. Oh somebody you are not excited. If you can count them. That is how your generation will be. So sometimes when you give. You are telling God that God. I have come to an end of myself. You are shutting down the enemy. And telling the enemy that. There is a higher power. There is a higher authority. There is a higher person that I can bring my issues to. And you are appealing to God. And so that day when Abraham lifted up his voice, the Bible says that the Lord visited him. Hallelujah. You hear about the little boy. When Jesus wanted to feed the multitude. And when I think about this sometimes, I, I, I think it doesn't make sense. Because the most selfish people I know are little children. You will give them chocolate right now. And you, my, I'll give my son a chocolate. I'll say, Liam, take this chocolate. When I ask him, you say, no, 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 it's for me, it's for me, it's for me. Because of the, the, the childlike mindset. But look at this boy. When, they, when there was need, he, didn't, he saw beyond the need. He realized that no, there is something that is, is going to happen. He connected with the atmosphere. Hallelujah. And sometimes we must come to that point. Sometimes you must come to the point where you feel like holding back. But the Holy Spirit is telling you, let go of this seed. Let go of this gift. Let go of this resource. And I'll bring multiplication in, into your life. I believe that that day, the little boy ate more than everybody else. Hallelujah. Because that is the systems of God. I shared that there was a time in my life, somebody brought some dollars to me. Somebody I had been praying with, writing an international exam. And this person said that I am believing God that I'll pass this exam for the last time. Because I've, I've failed about three or four times. And the person said, I'll go and meet this person. I've sent some money to the person. When I opened the envelope, my eyes went round. Because I hadn't seen that amount of money before. Thousands of dollars. When I received the envelope, the Holy Spirit told me, this money is not for you. Hallelujah. I'm, not, I'm talking about a time where I had come out fresh out of school. And I, I had need. Hallelujah. I could have easily said that I am taking this money. 
maybe to go and buy a piece of land or to go and do something that will benefit me. But the Holy Spirit spoke. And many of us, it happens like that. When the money comes into your hand, when that gift or that resource comes into your hand, the Holy Spirit is telling you that this is not for you. But we hold on to it because we feel that this must be mine. No, the, the, the Holy Spirit is telling you that this is not a fruit. This is a seed. But you are telling yourself, no, 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 no. This car is the, is the fruit. Huh? This car is the fruit. It cannot be the seed. But that day, the little boy parted ways with his gift. And he saw multiplication. Hallelujah. David said, I have been young and I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. No, he's sick begging bread. He's trying to say that any time you put your hope in God, you will never be disappointed. When it is even your last pesua or your last token, when you give it, the heavens are opened over your life. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that day when I parted with those envelopes, I saw that money in the lives of pastors or ministers. I realized that something unlocked in my life. I died that day. I realized that no, something has changed about me. It, it was no longer difficult for me to part ways. And beyond that, there were other things that came. There was a time that somebody gave me thousands of pounds. I don't remember the exact amount, but that one also, the Holy Spirit said, this money is not for you. Hallelujah. This money is not for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we must begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit. We are quick to listen to the voice of the Spirit when it comes to prayer and intercession. We are quick, in, we are quick to listen to the voice of the Spirit when it comes to, to, to praying for some things. But when the voice of the Spirit is speaking to you, telling you that this money or this resource, you must part ways with it. We are saying that, no, 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 no. I, I rebuke that voice. It cannot be the voice of God. I've been there many times. And I'm not saying that it's so easy for me. Because I remember another time, the, the, the Holy Spirit was telling me, I was walking around Sunny FM, and I had an announcement that they need money for some children, holding heart. The Holy Spirit was talking to me. And I, I don't know, when, those, when the, in, in those moments, it is so clear. I don't know about you, but when it has to do with parting away with something, it is very, very clear for me. And I said, no, 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 God. I am not ready for this. Another day, when I got to that same junction, he said, go, enter Sunny FM, go and give that money. I was struggling. But finally, when I, I made up my mind. When I went there, even how much I, I, I wanted to give, I didn't give all. I suppressed some. That day, my hand was a detective. I, I got to the office. The, the lady was asking me, oh, sir, God bless you. You are here to give for the surgery. I said, yes, yes. And as I was talking to her, my hand was in my pocket. And I was descending and, and looking at the notes. I, I, my eyes were not in my pocket. But my hand was able to descend and give a lesser amount. And when I walked out of that pre the premises, when I got to the gate, I heard the voice of God again. He said, go back, go and give everything. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, after obeying, I didn't know how I was going to survive that week. But I saw doors opening. Hallelujah. That day, I... I, I it's, can you imagine, fresh from school, you are attached to a company and doors are opening for you. I became more like, um, how do you call it? I don't want to say expert, but the company I was working with, I was, being, I was traveling left to right center. Hallelujah. Sleeping in hotels. At, the, at that time, most of my mates were not even employed. And so when you die to yourself, when you give to God, there are certain things that you cannot afford. He will unlock the heaven on your behalf. And those things begin to come into your hands. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. 
The fourth point, giving brings multiplication into your life. And when you, we look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it says, bring the food tight into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts. It will, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing, until there is no more need. That is the part that caught my eye. He says, until there's more, no more need. In other words, there, there, there can come a time in your life, because of the way you are, you, are, you, are, you are ready to give to God, there will never be any need in your life. It will get to a time where when you are even looking at prayer topics, you may not have any prayer topics for yourself. You realize that you are rather praying and interceding for other people. Because when it comes to you, God is always doing things. He, 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 he takes care of your issues. This year, about someone was celebrating three years. And I was the one who was doing the fundraising in the stead of my, 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 my father's Reverend Daybay. I was the one launching, doing the fundraising. As I was standing there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Give this amount. I didn't know where the money was going to come from. And I made a pledge. When I went home, I told my wife that I've, I've done a pledge. This one is covering us all. <laughs> because we have, that, we, have, we have that foundation. If you go somewhere and the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, do it, but just let me know. So I told her that this is it. And she said, okay. Then... Not too long after we launched the, the fundraising for Shiashi to complete the project. And the Holy Spirit also led me to make a certain pledge. And I, I spoke to her about it. He said, hey, Charlie, it looks like we are pledging, we are pledging too much. We have, Charlie. So that was the human calculation. Hallelujah. Because we are looking at, by October thereabouts, we need to move out of where we are staying. And we didn't want to go so far. So we're praying and asking God, God, can you open a door for us? That time, can you imagine that she put in an application at the workplace for a bungalow in the Achimota Mall? She was not even the person in line. But ladies and gentlemen, look at what happened. That when the time came for us to move out, the person who was in line before her, that, pers that person died. And they came to her, they said, oh, the opportunity is there now. If you, still, if you are interested, it was not, it, it, they said, it was not yet your turn. But now, this person has passed away. So if you are interested, you can come and take the keys. And they give us an apartment in the Achimota Mall. When I'm driving in the evening, I enter the mall. I pass through the basement and I enter my apartment. Hallelujah. And, and when I look back, I know that there are certain things that when you do, God will never leave you nor forsake you. I knew that God will open a door. Hallelujah. And ladies and gentlemen, we must get to that point where our hope and our trust is in God. Maybe your business needs a certain amount of money, but you must come to a point and tell God that God, for this many years, I've been pumping the money into the business and I'm not seeing profit. This year, I want to do it differently. I want to sow my money in your kingdom. I am trusting you that as I give this money, Father, my business will take over. And you put your hope in God and you see the multiplication in your life. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. So he says that he who soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. Giving opens doors for you and your children. Giving open doors for you and your children. So we see, we, we hear about Jonathan. Look at all the good that he did for David. Until such a time that David said, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I can do some good? And that day Mephibosheth, who was not qualified, a cripple, 
That day, he was favored above everybody else. He, 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 he did not only sit at the king's table, but he was also giving lands. He was giving lands. Look at how easy it became for Solomon because of the sacrifices and the, and the, and the things that he, his father David did. There's a friend of mine. And this friend of mine, her father was so much of a giver. In fact, the day the father died, the funeral, when we went for the funeral, the whole church was crying. Because this man was financing people's education. At a point, he could be paying school fees for about 15 or 20 people. And sometimes when the, 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 the family would say, that, oh, daddy, it looks like you are doing too much. You tell them that this thing that I'm doing, I am laying a foundation. Someday it will open doors for you. And so this friend of mine, after their daddy died, she said, the kind of opportunities that were coming away, it does not make sense. Can you imagine that out of about 1,000 people who went for a scholarship, she was picked. She was picked. And that was in the end. When she finished, opportunities were just coming left, right, center. Traveling around the world. And one day her mother said something. She said, this, this, this blessing that has located you, it can only be because of the giving of your father. Oh, somebody slap your hands and give God praise. And one day she showed me the tithe that she was paying. I said, ah, it can only be God. It can only be God who do this. Because whenever you give, you, you open doors for your children and even for your children's children. Hallelujah. The sixth point, I'll be wrapping up soon. God is a custodian of spiritual blessings. He gives you resources so that you can be a distributor. Many of us, we have a wrong impression about the resources that come into our hands. We think that this is for me. I must consume it. But one thing I've realized is that when God gives you the resources, it is so that you'll be a distributor. So that you'll be a channel. When you get to a particular place and people are in need, you just be spreading the resources. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's trying to say that there is no way that you can have that blessing except it comes from above. So we must come to the point where every resource that we have, we see it as a gift from God. We see it as something that God has put in our hands that we can use to bring him glory. And the Bible says that, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that he having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. He's trying to say that as you are distributing the resources, there will never come a time that you lack. You have all sufficiency. Hallelujah. And the last point is that your giving will break strongholds in your life. Your giving will break strongholds in your life and make you a candidate for miracles. You hear about the, like, the, the centurion and the people came to Jesus. They said, that, Master, this man is deserving that you go to his household. He said, he built for us a cathedral. He built for us a cathedral. He built a cathedral for us or he built a, the church for us. And so, that, that moment, Jesus was on his way. And look at it. Somebody who builds a cathedral, look at the faith. He said, Master, you don't even need to come to my household. Speak a word, and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus said that, I have not seen such great faith in the whole of Israel. Oh, somebody slap your hands and give God praise. The key point that I picked from there is that your giving is directly linked to your level of faith. Your giving is linked to your level of faith. You must be willing to let go of everything and trust God. Look at Cornelius. The Bible says that that day, the angel appeared. He said, oh, Cornelius, 
your prayers and your arms giving has ascended as a memorial. In other words, although your, when your prayers go up, your, your giving can also go up. Hallelujah. He said, it has come up as a memorial. It has come up as a memorial. Somebody may that be a portion. Look at Deborah. Look at the good that she was doing. And because of that, although she was dead, she became a candidate for healing. She became a candidate for coming up from the dead. Oh, slap your hands and give God praise. The last point. Your resources begin to shrink when you stop giving, including your life. Including your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I've realized something that when anybody that gives or anybody that is a giver, giving is like a, a, a symbiotic relationship or it's like a breathing relationship. As you are giving, you're also taking something from God. And so whenever you make up your mind that you hold back your resources, you begin to shrink. Your resources begin to shrink in your hand because God didn't make it so. The, the, the principle behind it is that as it comes into your hand, you will let it go. And as you let it go, more will come into your hand. So the scripture says that there is it, there is, that's scattered, and yet comes to increase. And there is that withhold it back, and yet comes to naught. In other words, if you can understand this principle, that God has, has, has divinely legislated this principle, that as you are scattering your seed, as you are giving your resources, there is a supernatural wind that blows resources your way. We must stop consuming our seed. We must stop consuming our seed. We must come to the point where we see that whatever we have is a seed that God has given to us. It's a seed that God has given to us. So as we wrap up, these are the, the concluding points. When you give, it brings glory to God. Giving is a sign of faith in God. God will honor your giving. Your seed has a voice that cries to God. This is one of the things that I, I, I hold so dearly. Your seed has a voice and it will cry out to God like Cornelius. Givers never lack. Givers never lack. If you make up your mind that you are going to give, whether in tithe, whether in offering, whether in welfare, whether in supporting people, you will never lack in any good thing. Because the God who supplies the seed to the sower, he will make sure that, the, that those resources are channeled into your direction. When you give to God, he gives you things you cannot afford. This is the last point. When you give to God, he gives you things you cannot afford. Somebody, may that be your portion. May that be your portion. That whatever you have laid on the, on, on the feet of the Lord Almighty, whatever prayers you have prayed this year, and I want to challenge you, maybe this year, you are, the year hasn't ended yet, but I want to challenge you that you can still be faithful to God. You can still come back and say that, God, I defaulted in the first nine months, but it's an opportunity for me to come back. And as I'm coming back, I am believing that you take care of me. You are sowing that seed to the ground, knowing that you are dying to self. But as you die, he says that, look, look at it. Except a grain of corn fall to the ground and die. It abideth alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Somebody, may that be your portion. As you die to yourself, may God open the heavens over your life. And may he pour his blessings upon you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in response to God's word? And oftentimes when we hear sermons like this, we 
tend to feel, oh, it's our money, our money, our money. But first and foremost is your heart, your heart, your heart is what God is calling for. God is looking at for you. Money has always been a test. God grants us opportunity to be tested with, to know what is in our heart. Only doctors can do surgeries on heart. But for every one of us, we can't see what's in your heart until we give you money and what you do with it. One professor I studied under in the U.S. says, look at where the money goes. It tells you where the people's heart is. Thank you, Baba. So will you talk to God about your heart this morning? That's where we will start. Because if the heart is not right, your giving will not be right. Will you talk to God about it? If genuinely you can be in a church a whole year, with all the blessings of God, and somebody has to remind you that you haven't paid a tithe for the year. There's something wrong with your heart. It's not about the money. Talk to God about it. You can't be that forgetful of God's goodness and message to you. That for nine months of a year, you can't bring a tithe to the Lord. No, there's something in the heart. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Ask that God will heal you of your heart. I know people have reasons. Oh, I have not been too happy the way the church used money. So I'm not giving. The point is that then there is a problem with your heart. Because God will judge the leaders who don't use the church money well. But you are not a judge. God is the judge. And you can't play the role of God. So you do your part and trust God to do what he has to do. Sometimes we love to run the judgment. But will you ask God to help us to come back to the place where our hearts are right with him? Said so this whole nation, you have robbed me. A nation of thieves and I'm robbers. It's because our hearts are wrong. But we ask God to help us. Today, that's our prayer this morning. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, so this church is the only money they talk about, you'll be surprised that this may be two or three preachings in the whole year about talking about stewardship. I'm not even thinking about money. How God will help you to be steward of the resources God is giving to you. Including your time. And your treasures. And your talent. So we talk to God this morning wherever we are. That God help us to get our heart right with you. Forgive us where we have hardened our heart. Well. Deliver us, O oh God, from ourselves. Because it's only on this side of eternity that God will ever ask you to do these types of giving. Where you are going after death, you will walk on gold and you will need money. We take our first hymn. I hear the Savior say that strength indeed is small.
we invite you wherever you are seated if you do not have jesus in your life as your personal lord and savior we want to welcome you take a stand today start a relationship where your heart will be right with god because one of these days whatever we give if it's not coming from a good heart the lord does not honor it we know that cain brought an offering and abel had an offering but his heart was not right so we always start a relationship and talk about the heart and so if you are here and say lord I i'm not sure why i'm not giving but maybe i do not have the right relationship with you today we offer you that opportunity that wherever you are come as you are if you've never given a tithe and offering it's okay to just come to the lord and say lord here i am forgive me here i am save me here i am deliver me from myself deliver me that's that's the prayer we want to pray today uh hospitality uh counseling and follow-up are standing with you you will not be alone so we're asking you wherever you For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim I wash my garment white in the blood of Calvary Islam. My last appeal before we take the last stanza. Maybe you've been visiting the church. You are already a born again Christian. But you want to be a member of the church. I would keep emphasizing that the fact that you visit this church for one year does not make you a member. Very soon the church will vote on senior pastor. It's not everybody who comes to church that can vote. It's only members in good standing. And I think the deacons will bring more education on the members of good standing. Let me help you to be a member of the church first. Before they come and talk about the good standing. To be a member of this church. One. Is to come with your Christian experience. And then you go through a membership class. And you'll be voted into membership. Or you can come as you are. Give your life to Jesus. We'll help you through the membership class. Be baptized. And you'll be voted into membership. Whichever way, you can't just be an automatic member of Calvary Baptist Church. Whether you're a Christian, you are not a Christian, you come through a process, you'll be voted into membership. This is Baptist Church, please. And people say, oh, but I've been in this church for two years. Pastor, when you make those things, it really doesn't sit well with me. I've even been giving my tithe and offering. Please, giving offering and tithe is a good relationship with God. It does not make you a member of Calvary Baptist Church. There is a way to be a member. So today, the church doors are open. If we are married into the church, there's a way to go through a process to be a member of the church. There are no automatic members. Oh, I was born into the church. It does not make you a member of the church. And I'll keep emphasizing that. There's a way we go through to understand who we are. A lot of the complaints and the questions people ask about the church, it tells me they are not members of the church. All they skip the membership process. They say, why should we do what we are doing? I just know... The question you ask tells me you are not a member of the church. If indeed you are a member, you understand why we do what we do. So let me give you that opportunity today.
be a member of Calvary Baptist Church. You can stand, we can help you through the process and understand a Baptist polity of how Baptist do. We are not a Presbyterian church. We are not a Methodist church. We are not a Catholic church. We are a Baptist church. So we can help you to be a member of our church. That's my last appeal as we sing the last stanza. Thank you. Before the I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. we thank you for a word in season to us lord our prayer is that our heart will be changed that if anyone or much is here who has missed his honoring of his time for service in your church honoring of his treasures and tight for the church for this year lord from this month let there be a repentance that we can honor you with our commitment with our time with our treasures lord we would do it to your glory from a good heart cheerfully willingly not out of compulsion in Jesus' mighty name, amen.